My coaching philosophy has slightly evolved, definitely focused on the small victories. We always speak about student athlete and students first. So the small victories, just making it to class, getting the work done. So you're making sure you're on the field in the spring. That was Bishop Hendrickson, <laughs> head coach, Matt Clifford. He's the guest on this week's Chasing the Goal podcast. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Turtles Chasing the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt. Jack Piatelli's in the studio. I am not, but we're still going to roll out a real good podcast for you guys. Jack, how are we doing? Doing fantastic. It's like a day off without you in the studio today for me. It's just wonderful. I don't have to look at your face for three hours, but I'm just kidding. No, anyways, happy new year, Kyle. <laughs> happy new year to you, Jack. You're the I best. Can't wait. Hey, listen, do you, do you have any new year resolutions? Maybe marriage in the works? Wow. Huh? No. Daniel. We don't start podcasts like Daniel. that. Daniel. Okay. Hey, 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 I hey, think hey, it's hey. time. We don't. That is. I know Danielle's I listening. Is I know out. she's listening. Wow. She's a great was... Italian girl. It's time. It's time. That... 2023. This is producer uh, Dave. This will not be edited out. Uh, and I, I better be invited to the wedding too. Sorry, coach, but I had to get that in. Well, she loves you. So if that happens, you're definitely on the list. But we have Bishop Hendrickson, <laughs> head coach, Matt Clifford. Coach, how we doing? Doing well. Glad to, uh, glad to be a part of the uh, podcast here today. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, we've been trying to get you on for the last couple couple sessions, but but glad you could you could join us also via Zoom, I should note. So we're double zooming with Jack in studio <laughs> and our producer on the mic as well to hopefully regulate us as need be. Perfect. I guess to open up my, my first question is how did the opportunity at, at Hendrickson come about? Cause that's a very recent hire, right? Yeah. Yep. So that was just a couple months ago. So the coach that was there previously, Dave Hadlin, he is now over at Salve Regina as an offensive coordinator. So the position opened up I mean, I had been assisting as a defensive coordinator there for past several years and been a part of the coaching staff pretty much since I left Assumption and graduated from there. So once the opportunity presented itself, I just kind of jumped right on it. So you were at the college level for a number of years and w what made you decide to jump back or be a high school coach? Is that something you've always wanted to be a part of a private school head coach? Honestly, I'd had no aspirations of coaching when I was in, had a tragic loss in the family and I had gone back. This was right after the end of the year and coach Kevin Murray, who was coaching at the time at Hendrick and he just told me to keep showing up, keep me busy and everything. And then it just kind of took to it like a fish in water. I really enjoyed trying to teach some of the younger guys, some of the ins and outs of the sport. So, Yeah. He was a good man and a great ambassador for not only New England lacrosse, but Rhode Island and in, in particular, can, can you talk a, a little bit about Kevin and just fill our listeners in? Yeah. Well, Coach Murray, he was definitely from a, a coaching aspect. He knew how to get the best out of each guy. He knew how to tailor his coaching style to help them learn the best that they can learn. And he definitely wasn't afraid to be a little tough on the guys that could take that. I learned so much. I picked up a stick freshman year at Hendrick, and I don't think I would have made it to the collegiate level without his, his coaching. And then outside of just on the fields, he was always there for his players. Like I said, for my 
my example. Personally, he was there to help out each guy well after they graduated, staying in contact with guys, making sure if they needed anything. He was definitely the first one to be there to assist. So genius on the field and a better man off the field too. I couldn't agree with you more. I got to know him. Jeez. When I was working for Brian and selling equipment to him, probably was probably 25 years ago. And unfortunately, he passed away very too soon and a young man and family and all. So tough loss for the lacrosse community in Rhode Island. Tell us a little bit about the, the Hendrickin and, and the, the school itself. I know it's got a lot of history with lacrosse and it's a beautiful location. It's right on the ocean, but isn't everything on the ocean in Rhode Island? But just, just fill us in on, on, on the school and, and what it's, it offers for athletics, academics. Yeah, athletics, academics may be biased, but that's definitely second to none. The academic community there services such a competitive academic community. It's hard not to get sucked into that competitive academic ties with your friends. I got this many A's, this many B's, and it just assists you later on in your academic career, trying to get into a good colleges. The ability that the school has to assist anything needing in academics, the guidance that they're able to give you navigating post high school careers and looking at different college levels and different potential opportunities that are presented. And then that just kind of goes over into the athletic community as well. It's Competition, competition, competition. Everyone buys into it. They enjoy it. There's several opportunities from various sports. I remember when I was there, rugby was starting to come up. And now I, I looked and I think there's like two guys playing at the professional level of rugby. So they really offer just quite a variety of arts, academics, athletics that really will tailor to anybody that looks to go to that school. I think we've had a couple coaches on that are coaching at the school they went to. And what does that bring extra pressure to you to, to succeed? I mean, every coach wants to be successful, of course. But emotionally, do you think it impacts the way that you coach or, or the results that you want for the team? Definitely. I think it's hard not to feel that way, especially um, knowing the history of the program and the coaches that were there before. I know when I was there as a freshman, Coach Scott Scott Shemensky, who was a, a pivotal member in the lacrosse community in Rhode Island, he definitely had success right off the bat. When Coach Kevin Murray came in, he really saw nothing but success. Playing under those coaches and seeing the success that we had previously, I obviously set an extremely high bar, I think, for myself, for the team, and for anyone associated with the program. So I definitely think the pressure is there and knowing that the ability and the skills that the guys have and where they can be. What would you say your coaching philosophy is and how has it changed since, I mean, you've been in a, involved with the program since 2012, yep. right? So how has that evolved over the last 10 years? It's definitely my coaching philosophy has slightly evolved, definitely focused on the small victories, especially at that high school level, focusing on what can each individual player do to benefit themselves that will then eventually benefit that team. We always speak about student athlete and students first. So the small victories, just making it to class, getting the work done. So you're making sure you're on the field in the spring, making sure that you're putting in the legwork to be in shape, to have a good, that's all going to equate to essentially the large wins, winning the games, potentially making the playoffs, and then hopefully making it to that state title game. 
Are you more of a defensive coach or an offensive coach? Definitely more defensive. I was a close defenseman in high school, a long sick mid and defenseman in college. So majority of my knowledge of the game is a defense and majority of my knowledge of offense is essentially, you know, knowing formations, movement, and emotions that are occurring just on how to stop that. So I would say that my offensive knowledge has gained when I was coaching with Coach Hadlin. He was an offensive wizard, that guy. The different sets that he was using, different styles to get our athletes to the positions that they need to be. I definitely learned a lot when I was coaching with him. So I think one of the things that coaching in my program, I can speak for because I am there and coaching is one of the things that we emphasize is touches on the ball. So everyone touches the ball. We have, we have defenders all the time. Like, why do I have to do this drill? And I'm like, do you think you're never going to touch the ball? What are you doing? Get in the line. Like we have, a, we had a, we had a fam- infamously had a defenseman last year who just like refused to clear the ball. And I'll just be like, you have to go over the half line sometimes, right? Like how much of those conversations do you have and how much of your training is skill-based in practice versus tactical? So we, at Hendrickson, we have a wide variety of skill. So we have guys, like I said, when I started playing, I had picked up a stick freshman year. So we have guys that have played under a year, a couple of years, and then we have guys that have been emerged into the game at a very young age. And so we definitely are going to be putting an onus on skill development for, to make sure that everyone kind of gets on that same page in terms of skill. And then IQ, I think, is huge in teaching the guys, like you were just saying, knowing when to go over, when to rotate, when to clear through, when to slide, when to slough in as a two-slide defensively. It's, it's really huge and a major part of the So tying that in, especially during drills in practice, we can kind of almost do what we used to call it, disguised conditioning, where it's just game-style drills. And that really allows those guys to work on those skills at game speed and kind of build their IQ and condition all at the same time. So, Coach, your school is all boys Catholic school. Are you allowed to have more than just a varsity team playing at the high school level? Like, do you have a freshman JV and varsity, or is it just JV and varsity? How many? I guess my question really is how many how many players are participating? at your school and what levels are are available for them to participate at? We currently have a varsity program and a junior varsity program. I definitely have aspirations of if we can get more guys to pick up a stick. Having, I know in the past we had like a JVA, JVB program where it might be a set of guys that needed more skill work and kind of building that. Obviously at this point in time, I don't think we're there numbers wise. And so right now, currently we're just having the junior varsity and the varsity program. Now, what's your plan to execute terms of getting more players on campus? Yeah, that's a great question. The first and foremost goal that we're looking to do is, and we had something very similar to this the past couple of years, was a developmental camp for some younger age kids, again, widely based on skill and working on stick skills and on understanding the nuances of the game. So that's step one. We're also looking to hold like a summer league, a rotational pickup, so guys can kind of come back and set up teams and just kind of get on the fields and to play. And that's kind of hopeful that guys are interested in seeing these guys guys play, want to pick up a stick and just want to get on the field. Well, I will say if you can get players on your campus, it's beautiful, beautiful campus, really nice facilities. Worked a number of camps there. Again, I'm a lot older than you, but 20, 30 years ago when I was in college and and out 
of college when I was playing for the Boston team, we'd go down there and uh, Scott Outerbridge used to be the coach, I believe back then, but he really had a, a lot of good programs in the summer, summer leagues, camps, and really was able to attract more kids. And I think your plan is, is, is crucial for you to continue to grow the interest, not only in the school, but your program. We're going to take a quick break, but there's more Chasing the Goal podcast on the way. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Dedication, skills, focus, and the drive to play at the highest level. Lachsachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Lachsachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to laxachusetts.com. That's laxachusetts.com. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and laxjournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal or Magazine delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to laxjournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on club lacrosse, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. This winter, Piatelli Lacrosse has a great way for you to stay in shape and play lacrosse. Kyle, yes. Yeah, starting in January, we have box lacrosse leagues for youth and high school. Players of all ages at two convenient locations in Agawam and Taunton, Massachusetts. The up-tempo pace of box lacrosse is an excellent way for players to learn to play faster and develop new skills that will make you more effective on the field in the spring. And coaches will be provided for each game, and all players will take part in mini-clinic prior to the game where we will work on different box lacrosse skills. Make the most of your offseason, play some box lacrosse. This program is open to all interested players. For more information on our winter box league, visit www.piatellilacrosse.com. So how do you, we talk about a lot of Massachusetts schools on the podcast. Uh, you're, you're in Rhode Island. Rhode Island's kind of a different beast, right? Like it's totally, it's even different for, than Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont and especially Connecticut for sure. Where do you see your program in the mix of the entire state? Like where, where are they now and where do you want them to be? So last year we lost in the semifinals to LaSalle. So our goal is definitely to get 
to that level or better. Obviously, when you're playing like the LaSalle's and the Moses Browns of, of Rhode Island, they are very strong programs. They have phenomenal coaches. They already have a strong foundation set up. So essentially trying to get to that level and remain at that level is the goal. I had said uh, when I was interviewing, the goal is to make it to the state championship game. People thought that those are pretty wide aspirations, but you know, I don't think I can go to any senior on the team and say, Hey, our goal is to only make it to third place. And then we're going to call it quits. So our goal is to essentially do better than we did last year for sure. I think you hit the nail on the head. Rhode Island is a totally different beast in terms of lacrosse. Guys see the game pretty late in their lives sometimes and decide to pick up a stick well into their teenage years. And some are able to pick it up pretty quickly. Some really take a little bit longer time to develop. And then you have guys that have been playing for a very long time. So like I said, at the high school, football, and a lot of the other sports, you have guys consistently on the roster that have played well into their young years and have been playing for close to 10 years, potentially. In lacrosse, we see frequently on Rhode Island teams where you have a, a solid number of guys that have only been playing a couple of years, few years, maybe just picked up. So you have to almost look at it like you're teaching youth in terms of skill at some point in times, which can be a challenge. And I think that's a challenge that we see in Rhode Island with the Bulldogs and different programs like that. I think we've been able to kind of up the gear a little bit and see some guys pick it up at a younger, a younger age. And, you know, that seems to help them out a lot better when they get to the high school level. How do you mitigate that difference in skill when you're coaching? Because obviously you, you started as an assistant JV coach right. and you worked your way all the way up. So now being, being the head coach, what are some of the things now that you're in charge that you're going to do to, to develop skills at the different levels? Yeah. One of the first things we're doing is during our practices, at least two to three practices a week, we're going to solely hold a 30 minute skills portion. So as if we're setting up three 10 minute blocks, working on the wall, working on shooting, working on defensive footwork and rotating through that. Station. Uh, station. So really trying to gear that up fast pace. So again, it does work on that conditioning as well and the muscle memory. So I think that that's going to help that out. What I've learned over my years of coaching in terms of trying to figure out what guys are on what level and how to coach them, delegating and utilizing your assistant coaches definitely assists as well. So you may be working with one group and having them do live game stuff where some guys might need to work on just ground balls, just some long tosses, things like that, and having some guys go off to the side um, and kind of get that time in as so they're not just standing on the side and wasting time where they could actually develop that skill. Is there a singular drill that you find everyone can do that isn't running? Like regardless <laughs> of the skill level, do you think there's there's one drill that you would pick out that you're like, oh, even if you can't really catch and throw that well, you can do this drill and it can benefit you. Do you, do you have that kind of in your head? One of my fam uh, favorite drills, I actually snagged it from uh, Coach Murray when he was coaching us back then was the five on fours. I thought that was an awesome drill for offensive players, defensive players. I and mean, I think it really assists, especially with guys that may not be there a skill or IQ wise. Offensively, you've got the extra guy, so you might have an extra second or two to kind of catch that ball, turn and pass. Defensively, are you working on the rotations? You're working on communicating for that guy to bump and the backside to slough in. So that I definitely think is assistive in teaching those guys the IQ portion of the game and the skill portion of the game. And it doesn't really, it's not a lot of opportunity for like a drill kill or anything like that. So, Coach, you played defense in high school and went on and played at 
college, Sumption, short stick, defensive mid as a head coach now at the high school level. What attributes, what skill sets do you want to see with your defensemen in order to be successful at the level you want your players to compete at? Yeah, kind of dialed back a little bit to when Kyle was talking about his defenseman who had to coach to cross the midfield line. One of the biggest things I think a lot of defensemen lose in translation is their offensive need. And so my expectation is that essentially everybody should be a threat on the field to assist, to score. And having the knowledge and the stick skills and the ability to run and be in shape, I think that's kind of where we're setting the bar for for the defense. Definitely looking to have a high pressure defense. I like it when guys get out on the hands. I've, I was always taught Make sure the offensive player knows you're there and give that offensive player that illusion of control. So making it so that they think they have a wide open lane, go to that weak hand, really overplay that strong hand and force them into the slide and the double team. That, that's the expectation there is definitely understanding to get up there and run and get on the hands and look to transition and potentially have some scoring opportunities. How do you implement conditioning with your players? Do you included in a number of drills that you run or do you like to actually have them run during practice or some distance or whatever what, what's, your, what's your thought process on that and, and yeah so definitely a combination of everything it was when I met with the players after getting hired letting them know what our goal was this season and getting their buy-in to uh, what's their individual goals letting them know this is the time to get the distance running in and get that foundation so that you're in some good shape. One, to avoid injury and two, to be able to have that more of like a running gun style. In terms of in practice, I do like to set up just running drills, which then feeds into going into a drill tired. And I think that really assists with guys later in games. So when they start to get tired, defense, they start to drop the sticks. Offense, they start to drop their hand, make some bad passes. So we're kind of setting up that simulation. But I really do like to set up a lot of those transitional drills, like a numbers drill, a buildup drill, to really incorporate that again. So you're working more on game speed and game repetition style drills. Now that you're the head coach, you're going to be a lot more involved with the Collegiate side of recruiting, for sure. So how do you plan on attacking that in your first couple of weeks on the job? Yeah, so that's uh, that's definitely the newest portion that I'll be assisting with. So definitely have some growing pains there for sure. And the the great thing is at Hendrick and we've had awesome programs, a football program, baseball program. So I have some great people to talk to and kind of get their insight on exactly the best way to tackle that. We have a couple guys that have been doing some showcases. We've been reaching out and making them aware of particular showcases that have been going on for them to be involved in. So that way they can be seen. We also, thankfully, the school assists us in utilizing Huddle. So the guys are able to make their own like highlight videos that we can kind of send out. And so some of the college coaches can get their eyes on some of these guys. In terms of your relationship with club teams in the area and some of your players playing for those club teams. How do you navigate that? Because I think that's kind of one of the things that you need to have as, as a skill set is like, do you talk to the club coach as well right. when the player's looking at different schools to be recruited by? Yeah. And again, in Rhode Island, majorly what I've been associated with is contacting with the Bulldogs. We have a couple of the assistant coaches 
on the staffs that they're participating with them. I've also reached out and had interest to participate with that as well under the winter before the spring, before Charlie fall. Didn't really work out for that, but just making sure that the guys are aware. I had a couple players give me some of the coaches' contacts so that way we could kind of be in touch and kind of get any information of the guys playing and how they're so that way we can kind of share that information with any college coaches that are interested in kind of getting an eye on those guys. So you, your full-time job, your day job, I should say, is you're a board-certified behavior analyst. Correct. Can yeah. you tell me what that is? Because I have no idea what that is. Yeah. So essentially it's the Utilizing the science of a behavior can be widely incorporated with pretty much anything that incorporates anything that a human being does. My particular focus is I'm working with students on the spectrum or with other disabilities. So we have students at the school that I work at, whether it's learning, they're having a tough time picking stuff up, or they're engaging in some behaviors that just aren't appropriate for the public schools. Our goal is to find out why they're engaging in that behavior, essentially, and kind of give them more of an alternate appropriate behavior to engage in to get the same payout on that. How does that help you as a coach, you think? I think that really helps out a lot. Being able to find out what's this guy's reinforcer. So in behavior analysis, we speak of Behavior continuing, it's being reinforced somehow. Whereas the behavior, if it's not, it's being punished, essentially. Trying to find out like what a particular reinforcer is for a group of guys, or at least one player in particular, and really paying that out. So you might have guys that you assume praising them, giving them high fives and things like that is going to reinforce that. Whereas some guys, they hate that. They don't like that stuff. And they just kind of just put their head down and like walk by you. So being able to identify what the group is looking for in those reinforcement, and, you know, what ind individuals are looking at, being able to reinforce that. So they get out there and work on the wall. They get out there and shoot, you know what I mean? And they're building those skills foundationally. So, Coach, my last question for you is you talked about kids in Rhode Island or players in Rhode Island and some of the kids that want to play lacrosse to today we'll pick it up in in high school uh you're from rhode island you went to high school at hendrickson is it growing at the youth levels in rhode island or i guess my real question is what do we need to do to get the game on pace with some of the other new england states at the youth and high school level yeah. So I haven't been fully merged with the Bulldogs as of yet. I know Sean Murray's working with the Roots Lacrosse. And I know a lot of the guys in Rhode Island have been associated working with Pitelli. So I think, I think it is growing definitely from when I was at that. I, I speak to guys and say, I think I, I played at an appropriate time, picking up a stick in my freshman year. I was able to kind of pick it up quick and kind of get into that collegiate level. I think if I tried to pick up a stick my freshman year now, I think there's a, a strong foundation of guys that are much more skilled with the IQ of the game, with the skill of the game. And I probably would have had a little bit of a bumpy road for sure, trying to get to the success that I had. I think it's growing. I think some of the programs that are out there are definitely assisting with that. And I think if we can get more of those youth programs and kind of get that going. And I, I think the coaching is, I remember in the past, I had a nephew who went to a youth program and tipped my cap to the guy. He decided to volunteer and coach, but knew very little of the game. So I think it's basically not only the programs that are available, but who's teaching the youth at that level. Yeah. That's now. the challenge is finding the right coach mm -hmm. and be people willing who played and know the game to volunteer and to give something back to the game. But coach, you've been a great guest. Really appreciate you coming on. We've run out of time. 
And Kyle, uh, I know you're not in studio. I, I hope that you feel better in the next couple of days. But the coach, it's really been a pleasure and wish you the very best with your season this year. And I look forward to seeing you out there on the field sometime soon. Thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Pleasure is all mine. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. We'll see you next time.